Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Okay, I'm going to need some response this morning because if I don't get any response, then I might as well just walk off this stage right now. I'm just going to walk off. Hello. Good morning. I like to be pretty responsive. Um, I just learned about myself. I don't know if anyone knows what Enneagram is. Anyone? So basically, there's this test you can take online, and it tells you exactly who you are. Isn't that crazy? Technology tells us who we are these days. And I just found out that I like to be unique, and I can have a hard time controlling my emotions, and that I'm dramatic, okay? Who says I'm dramatic? What's up with that? So I'm just telling you guys, warning you now that um, this might be a little more um, enthusiastic than my father's sermons, but... Let me tell you about my past week, okay, because I sometimes I have experiences happen to me and I like to make the story way worse than it actually is. And um, a lot of the times my friends make fun of me because I say I almost died at the beginning of every story that I tell. Okay, so the other day I almost died, literally almost died. So I went to work and I work at... 6.30 a.m., and I work in Brainerd, so I have to wake up at, like, 5 a.m., okay? And I'm just craving a bagel. One of those days where you just crave something. You ever just crave something, and you're like, I need this. And not just any bagel, not the bagel you buy from the store. No, the bagel from Starbucks, okay? There's something about those bagels. It's like they just hand make it right in the store, okay? And then you toast it and you put butter on it. It's just, it's the best thing you've ever had in your life, okay? So I'm just driving to work. I'm like, oh, I gotta get a bagel. I'm gonna go to Starbucks before work. No. Starbucks is not open until 7. And I have to be at work at 6.30. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Okay. Well, I'm, get, I'm at work and I'm like, Okay, so excited to get my bagel. I can't wait. I'm going to go after work. So nine hours go by. I get off work, and I'm so excited to get my bagel. Okay, I'm like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. My car is dead. My car is literally dead. What am I supposed to do in that moment? Okay, well, so happens my parents are actually in town. So I text my mom. I said, Mom, can you please get me a bagel and then come pick me up? And she said, okay, I'll do that for you, sweetie. I don't know if she said sweetie. I just assumed that's something she would say. And then she's like waiting in Starbucks. And then she calls me and she says, they're out of plain bagels. I'm like, you're kidding me. They're out of plain bagels. That's the best one. Well, I have to get to church because I'm about to go to, um, it's a Wednesday night. I'm about to go to a midweek gathering and lead worship, Okay. So I'm like, okay, forget the bagel. I'll check the other Starbucks after. Okay, so I go to church, sing, just worshiping, trying not to think about my bagel. I get out of church. I walk up to my car, so excited. My car is dead again. It died again. Are you kidding? So this is like the fourth time I'm about to get this bagel, and it just doesn't work out. So I have to call my dad, and he comes and picks me up again. I'm like, okay, I'm getting this bagel. It's like 8 o'clock at night, and I've been waiting the entire day. So I go to the other Starbucks. I pull up it. I'm like, can I please just get a plain toasted bagel with butter? And they say, we're out of plain bagels. 
are you kidding? I'm like, this day is ruined. This is the worst day of my life. Well, let me just at least try caribou. And caribou is closed. Are you kidding? That's like literally the sixth time that I had been let down that day and I was just done. I was like, Lord, just take me. This is the end. All I want is a bagel and I can't even get that. So that's my story. It's pretty dramatized. But basically what um, I'm trying to say with this story is sometimes, even though this was just so insignificant and literally did not matter, but sometimes in our life, we're looking towards something and we're like, I'm so excited. I am almost there. I'm almost reached my destination. And then something happens. And then it doesn't work out. And it's so disappointing because it's like you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've done nothing wrong, but you don't get what you've been looking for. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the book of Lamentations. And growing up, I was really bad at reading my Bible. I really didn't understand the importance of it. Um, and it actually wasn't even until college this year that I learned that each book, when you open your Bible, there's this little section in it, it literally will tell you what the book is about. So once I read that, everything just started to make so much more sense. So um, I wasn't the most prepared to speak this morning, so I don't really have each verse I'm going to talk about, but I have like written out the story of Lamentations, so I'm just kind of going to be reading through that a little bit, so I, I hope you guys can follow with me. Um, but this little section, it says, the once proud Jerusalem, now reduced to rubble by the invading of Babylonian hordes. So, Lamentation, honestly, is not the most happy book of the Bible. I don't know if you guys have read it. I feel like it's pretty underrated. But it, I read it, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, but I looked up the definition of Lamentations on Google because I just I wanted to fully understand it. And the definition of Lamentation says, the passionate expression of grief or sorrow. The book of the Bible telling of the desolation of Judah after the fall of Jerusalem. So before we get started into this book, um, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about its history. And I've been trying to do a lot of research onto why this city was destroyed. And I honestly am not finding a ton of stuff about it. But all you need to know is that this city was beautiful. This city was gorgeous. It was ruled by a princess, and it was destroyed. Like, just in a few days, this beautiful city was destroyed because um, the Babylonian soldiers came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. So going into Lamentations, it's starting off right away the point of view of the princess who ruled the city. So it says, the princess of Jerusalem weeps with no one to comfort her, and she is very bitter. Her princesses have become like deer that find no pasture, and they flee with no strength. The nations turned against her. Her friends turned into enemies. All the beauty of Jerusalem has been stripped away. All who once honored her now despise her. She began to cry to the Lord. 
the enemy has triumphed, and she felt helpless. So there we go. Right away, we start off. And when I read this, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, because I felt this way before, and just reading that, this girl, she has also felt this way, was just so comforting to me. And this princess is just standing there looking at her city, her beautiful city that has just been completely destroyed. And not only was her city destroyed, but her friends turned against her. The nations turned against her. It's not even that the city was destroyed and everyone was in it together. It was like every single person turned against her. And he even talks about in Lamentations 1-4 that the roads were affected by this. Even the roads mourned over the condition of its own city. And I just think this is so crazy that not even one person, not her family, not her friends, not a single person was willing to be on her side, but every single person turned against her. And she felt so helpless. And she just asked the Lord to see her broken heart. But she felt nothing at all. She's like, Lord, where are you? Do you see me, Jesus? And she just hears nothing. So then she begins to ask the Lord to punish these people, to punish her enemies because she has just been so hurt by them. Everyone had deceived her. The Lord didn't look like this amazing person. The Lord started to look like her own enemy too because everyone had turned against her and her only hope was Jesus and she felt nothing from him. So she decided that it would be better if she started to hate the Lord and that he became her own enemy as well. Her eyes began to fill with tears and her heart was troubled. Lamentations 2.14 says, Your prophets have said so many false things. They did not save you from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they pointed at false pictures filling you with false hope. So when she began to look to these other people for her validation, instead of the Lord, and she started to look towards others and began to trust what they were saying, she got hope, and she got excited. But then the Lord told her, that wasn't hope. That wasn't from me. That was false. That meant nothing because it wasn't from me. Now we're talking about the enemy's point of view because he's looking at her and he's feeling amazing. He's on top of the world because this girl has strayed away from the Lord and he has conquered this girl. But then the Lord began to cry out to the princess and he said, depend on me. I am here. Just depend on me and trust me. Stop trusting in other people. Stop looking at what your city used to be and look towards me. I have destroyed your city because I want you and I know your plan and I know that city was not the plan for you. Her chains were heavy and her prayers to man were shut out and she became very bitter. But then she remembers that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Lamentations 3.23 talks about 
Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh every single morning. And because his mercies are fresh every morning, you can trust in him. Because of that, you can have hope in him. Because sometimes we get to this place where we're just like, okay, Lord, well, I've been asking you every day for something, and you're not giving it to me. And I'm kind of just done trying. And you just feel defeated by that. And we just base so much of it on our past. Like, how often are we in our walk with God, and instead of looking forward on what he's doing, we're looking on the past on what he has or hasn't done. And that's what separates us from the Lord. But we know because his mercies are fresh every single morning that we can always trust in him. We can always put our hope in him. See, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him, and is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And it's so hard to be patient. It is so hard to be patient with the Lord. When everything feels defeated, when you feel like you have no one, and when you feel like you're in a pit. But the Lord says, no matter how far away I feel, I am here, and I just need you to depend on me. So I have a few points to talk about. Um, I'm about, like, halfway through Lamentations, which I really encourage you guys to read this book on your own and really interpret it, because no matter what I tell you, there is nothing like experiencing reading a book of the Bible and interpreting it for yourself. There's, like, five chapters, and it is just amazing. Like, I can't even describe the way I, f I felt reading it for the first time. But to start off with my first point, I wanted to talk about how we are not the author of our own lives. See, sometimes we build up a kingdom for ourselves, and in the moment, it will feel like we haven't made, because it's like, oh, I've worked towards this, and I've worked towards that, and I have it. I finally have it. I ran towards it, and I have it, and it feels like you have your kingdom, but if that kingdom is from our own flesh, it will fall. See, when it's from our own flesh and it falls, it brings us shame, but if it's from the Lord, and it feels like it's fallen, we still have hope. And that's the difference between our flesh and our spirit. So what does it look like to not be the own author of our lives? Because I know that sometimes that is really hard because you want to do it on your own and you want your life to look the way you want it to. But what I found out is the only way for the Lord to be the author of our lives and for us to be okay with that is knowing the importance of surrendering to him. And I always heard this term growing up in every song. It's like, I surrender, I surrender. I'm like, what is surrendering? Can someone tell me? Because you're singing about it, but you're not telling me what it means. Well, when I figured out what surrendering means, I was like mind blown, okay? Because everything fell into place. And what is so crazy is when you surrender and when the things are taken out of your life that are meant to, you're not mad about it. You can have everyone taken out of your life when your prayer is, Lord, I surrender to you, take everything from me, and everything actually is taken from you, and you can be full of joy, 
and you can be okay with it because you know it's from the Lord. And when we surrender to him, we just say, Lord, just take everything from me that's keeping me from you because it's not worth it anymore to have all of these things I've tried to create for myself. It's not worth it. So when we surrender to him, it's so beautiful because he answers our prayers. And you can be in your walk with God for years, decades, and you can get caught up in a moment of forgetting to surrender. It's like, okay, well, I've surrendered this in the past, so I'm good on the whole surrendering thing. But you got to remember that as we grow and change, that it's not always with the Lord. And I just encourage you guys to ask the Lord to just reveal to you what needs to be taken out and what is keeping you from him. And that just brings me to my second point. Sometimes we're in a place where we're just like so hurt and, you know, we almost feel guilty talking to the Lord. We're like, God, I, I can figure this out on my own. Lord, you've done so much for me. You don't have to do this one for me again. Like, Lord, I got it. Who has all felt that way? Just me? I know you have felt that way because I'm 19 years old and I felt that way. And I'm young. I mean, not saying you guys are old, but I'm just saying that if I felt that way, I know that other people have felt that way too. Anyways. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> yeah, anyways, surrendering to him is not a burden. Asking the Lord for help is not a burden to him. Your prayers aren't complaints. And if you ever feel like you can't come to the Lord, that is the enemy, and that is trying to keep you from the Lord. Because it literally says in the Bible, in Lamentations 3, the Lord is asking you to depend on him. And if we think that we're being selfless by trying to figure it out on our own instead of having the Lord figure it out, that is not being selfless. That is being selfish. Because we are not obeying the Lord by trying to do it on our own. We're going against the Lord by trying to do it on our own. And don't let anyone tell you differently because that is not from Jesus. Now, Lamentations 3.31 talks about how the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he may cause grief, he will show compassion. And I think this is something that is so important to remember because when we're in those moments of feeling grief and asking for the Lord to reveal himself and like giving ourselves to God and we don't see anything. It's just so important to remember that he's not cast off forever and he is still there. And though grief may be there, the Lord is figuring it out for us. And a lot of the times, the reason we have grief is because the Lord is just trying to change our plan and trying to align us with him. And it can just be disguised as something else. Lamentations 3.55. This is probably one of my favorite verses. Um, In Lamentations, it says, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit, and you have heard my voice. 
I think that is so powerful. It says, you have heard my voice. And I was just praying this morning. And I guess over like this past six or seven months, I've had pretty much the same prayer over my life. And I just like all I want is for the Lord to hear it. And I want him to receive it. And I just felt like the Lord is saying, child, girl, Anna, I heard it. I literally heard it. <laughs> I'm just waiting to reveal it to you. I heard it. And now you just need to be patient. So sometimes when we ask for something, it's not that the Lord didn't hear us. It's that he's just waiting to reveal it to us. And he's working it all out. He's heard your voice. No matter if you're in the valley or if you're in the lowest pit, that doesn't change whether he's heard your voice or not. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, where are our hearts at? Are our hearts looking to the Lord to gain something? Or are our hearts looking to the Lord because we genuinely want to know who he is? And we genuinely want to give our hearts to him because he is so good and he is so faithful. And it's so easy to get caught up in the wrong thing. And we always need to be checking our hearts and ourselves. And we got to remember, what are we worshiping? Like, what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping the victory? Are we worshiping God? Are we worshiping what he's going to do for us? Are we worshiping what he's done in our past? Or are we worshiping who he is? For me, I struggled a lot because in, I was probably in seventh grade. I was like 13 years old. I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life. Overwhelming feeling. And growing up in church and being in this environment my whole life, all you hear about sometimes is just like feeling the Lord and feeling his Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's hard when you don't feel that way because it feels almost as if your faith isn't there, like it's not existent. And so it was like when I finally felt that after 13 years, I was like, yes, I've made it. I'm here. And I went home and I was like, Mom, <laughs> I felt the Holy Spirit. And then a week went by, I was like, last week I felt the Holy Spirit. And then a month went by, I was like, a month ago, I felt the Holy Spirit. Five years go by. Five years ago, I felt the Holy Spirit. Why am I not feeling it again? It was just so frustrating because I had felt it before, and I had spoke these words that I didn't even know what I was saying. It was like, why could the Lord do that in my past when I was 13 years old, but he can't do it now? Like, I'm doing exactly what I've done before, and I just don't understand why I don't feel it. And instead of praising Jesus, I, I praised that feeling, and I praised what he had done in my past. And it wasn't until just recently I've learned so much about how to receive Jesus. And it's just so important to remember that when we worship, we're not worshiping the feeling. We're not saying, Lord, I love you. Let me feel you. Lord, I love you. Let me feel your presence. His presence is amazing to feel, and he is so comforting. But unless we are coming to the altar and our knees are on the ground, and we're saying, Lord, I love you. I love who you are. I worship you. I give my heart to you. 
despite what you have to bring me. Nothing is going to change in your relationship with him until you know fully who he is and his goodness and you worship him for that and nothing else. To rely on the Lord is to seek him for who he is despite what he is offering. Now point three, this is my last point. I just wanted to talk about how the Lord's grace does not run out. Because like I've been talking about a little bit, sometimes we come to him and we are very guilty in a sense, I guess you could say, because like sometimes we come to him with shame and that leads to us trying to figure it out on our own. But we got to remember that the Lord's grace does not run out because he has given you grace in the past doesn't mean that was it. He will always give it to you, but there's a line with that. Because he loves with firmness at the same time. And like I had said earlier, Lamentations 3.23, she remembers that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. And great is his faithfulness. Don't confuse us hiding from the Lord as him letting go of us. Because he hasn't let go of us. And we cannot let that idea affect our relationship with the Lord. Because no matter how much it feels like he's far away, we're not going to keep running the opposite direction. We're going to run towards him. And now just going back to the story of Lamentations... Lamentations um, 5.15, it says, The joy of our hearts has seized. Our dance has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. This is what they feel like. Okay, we're coming to the end of the story. And it talks about how the nations mourned and all the people just turned against them. And they're still feeling so defeated, even though the Lord has just said, Depend on me. Depend on me. Look to me. I'm right here. Hello. But then, as we keep reading, we read um, Lamentations 5.19. Lord, you remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Why do you forsake us for such a long time? But Lord, turn me back to you, and I know I will be restored. Turn us back to you, and we will be restored. So this, this book is kind of interesting because usually there's, like, this big, exciting ending where, like, you see all these things revealed. But this book ends with, Lord, I feel defeated, but I know you will restore me. So I'm willing to depend on you. And so I guess it kind of leaves us with this question of what's going to happen next. It doesn't say that the city began to rise up again. It doesn't talk about what happens to the city. It ends with what they're going to do next. Because we don't always have to figure it out, what's going to happen. We don't have to figure out our disappointment. We just have to depend on him, and he will literally figure everything out for you. 
And it may be hard to trust in Jesus sometimes, but it's so much harder to try to do it on your own and just have it keep failing over and over again. You guys can come on up. And my prayer to you guys this morning is to just spend some one-on-one time with the Lord and just say, Jesus, what is your plan for me? Where is my direction? Lord, I'm willing to depend on you, but sometimes you need to make it known to me what you want me to do. It's okay to have real and honest prayers because, like I've said, our prayers are not complaints. Okay? So sometimes we need to not be afraid to get a little real with the Lord. And just say, Jesus, teach me how to love you. Teach me how to put you above myself. Remember that you are worshiping who he is and his goodness. And that is all that matters. Everything else will work itself out if you just surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, I am yours and I want you, Jesus, because you love me so much and I will never receive that love from anyone else again. Lord, we thank you that you're in this place this morning, Jesus. And I just pray that I see your goodness and we see your goodness. I just pray that we don't forget who you are even when we're in the pit. Even when we're in the darkest place we've ever been in, you are still here and you have still heard our voice. And Lord, you are so good because your grace is beautiful and your grace is unlike any other love you love us no matter what our past looks like you love us no matter what mistakes we think we've made you love us no matter what we think of ourselves and nothing could separate us from you amen I just want to talk about one more um, verse that is going to be on the screen. And it says Romans 8:38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers will separate us from the Lord. I think that is so beautiful. Neither death nor life will separate us from the ability to Jesus for Jesus to hold on to us nothing will separate it that